in the epistle of 3 John, it's a short epistle of John, around 14 or 15 verses. Uh, John, he says this, just going a few verses into uh, that one chapter epistle, he says, Dear friends, you're faithful in what you're doing for the brothers, even though they're strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. You'll do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, show hospitality to such men as these. Then nine words that I want you to catch. So that we may work together for the truth. Nine words. And those nine words let us in uh, to the mind of God. And what those nine words show us is this, and you'll see why I'm citing that passage, um, that the fellowship support of those itinerant preachers, it was credited to their account as though they were actually going forth in that ministry of proclaiming God's word. Do you see that in the mind of God that your physical presence in a particular locale is not necessary in, in order for you to have a vital and a very real impact in the work of God. You see that? You see that in those nine words? And I say that obviously because we are so grateful, and I'm, I'm not just making this up or exaggerating, grateful to this congregation, City of Hope, which at one time was Mount Zion, because from the very beginning of our work for the Lord, you all have been right there with us, supporting us every, literally every step of the way. Uh, whether it's through financial support regularly, whether it's through sending mission teams to help us in whatever it is that we're engaging it, uh, happen to be engaging in at the time, or whether it's been just helping out our family. Uh, in our home when we happen to be back in the area. You all have been right there. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of the Jones family to the City of Hope congregation. You earnestly have a portion uh, in that ministry that we've been involved in over the past 13 years. And I hope that you, you feel that uh, participation with us. Now, <clears throat> in Sunday school, I'm going to be sharing... Uh, a little bit about our ministry, so I won't take a great deal of time to do that right now, but for those of you that might not come uh, to wherever it is that uh, my wife and I will be sharing, just let you know a little bit uh, about where we serve. We serve the Lord in the province of Quebec, and that's how they say it, just like Quebec, and uh, it's a French-speaking province in Canada, and I, I tell you just briefly the story of how we ended up there uh, once upon a time, uh, we felt God's call, still do, uh, to serve the Lord. And one of the things that God kind of put into our heart is, well, we thought we could speak French at the time, uh, learned otherwise when we got there, uh, but we thought we could speak French. So we wanted to serve the Lord in a French-speaking context where there was a need. And uh, we settled on going to Senegal in West Africa. Great need there. Less than 1% of the believer of the people there are followers of Christ. Uh, we uh, were associated with our mission, Cross World, went to a day of prayer there, and we stumbled into a workshop in which uh, the leader of the workshop, he started out with these, ver these very words, almost verbatim. He said, why would someone go halfway around the world to a place like, say, Senegal to reach a French-speaking people with the gospel when a car ride away is the most unreached people group in North America? I didn't need an audible voice. We didn't need an audible voice to sense that God was redirecting our steps, and he said that was Quebec. And uh, we made a course adjustment, and uh, we've been there since 2006. It's a province of 8.5 million people, and uh, less than 1% of those 8.5 million people are what we would understand to be followers of Jesus Christ. There's great spiritual need there. If you could think of a sociological category uh, that can uh, give you information about the spiritual demise of a culture, they lead the way in everything. 
high divorce rate, had the highest suicide rate among young men between the ages of 14 and 24. Uh, you just name it, and it's only a car ride away. And that's where we've been since 2006, serving in our little uh, French congregation called Église Évangélique de la Chute. And uh, when we got there, there were less than 20 uh, 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 members there, and eight of them were in our family, and the pastor had around six in his family. So that lets you know the state of things when we got there. And uh, the Lord, uh, he's been good. I, I wish I could come and say there's been a revival. Uh, there has not been, but you know, God's been faithful, and uh, he's been merciful, and we've seen his hand move. One story I leave with you before we move forward. You know, you go on the mission field, and you know, the, the word missionary is not in the Bible. It's a good word, but you know, it, it, it's not there. So we, we do what we need to do to see the work of the Lord go forth. And you know, I, I, I've been thinking all this time we're there, Lord, build your church here in La Chute. Gather those that you uh, have redeemed. Um, and, and, and this is what I'm looking for. Um, and what has recently happened is really pretty mind-boggling. Around a month ago, we sent out our first missionary couple to North, an undisclosed location in North Africa, a Muslim-speaking population. They went with their three kids. And the thing that's amazing is they are Quebecois. Their people need the gospel. But in the time that, that we knew them before they were married, just like many couples here that we knew when they were in college, uh, they came to our congregation, asked them to come. They were married, three kids, and now they've gone to North Africa to share with a community that's even in greater need than their own community. Another young couple, mid-20s, they have just gone back for their second year of study of Arabic to uh, Jordan. They feel called to the Muslim world. So I'm saying, Lord, I'm happy, but I'm like, wait, we need them here. But uh, we thank the Lord for what he's doing and uh, just ask your continued prayers for us. We're going to open the word of God here, but I asked my daughter, I don't see her that often. When I see her, it's usually on Sunday morning, Lillian, I click on the internet. She is a worship leader and on staff at her church in Gainesville, Florida. But, you know, it just kind of puts me in a frame of mind to Speak the word of God when I could have my daughter sing something. So, Lily, you have something that's coming to your mind between when I asked you five seconds ago and now to sing. <laughs> She'll sing something for us, and then we will uh, we'll go for it. You know, she moved down to Florida around four years ago, and since then, we have six kids. Four of our six are now in Gainesville with her. She's a magnet. Yeah, yeah I'll put this in. Is there a mic there? This Ah, I think we're situated. Um, I'm going to sing a song that um, I sometimes lead at my church during their prayer um, and devotion time. So it's really easy. If you know it, you can sing with me. If not, you can just listen to the words and worship the Lord. We 
This is a, a humbling thing here. I'm standing before you, but I have two older brothers in Christ. Uh, all of us were born in Philadelphia. You might not have known that. Now, I'm the youngest of the three here. Uh, Brian was born in Philly in 66. Kevin, when were you born? 64, and I was born in 68. But we all came, we all came out in the city of brotherly love. <laughs> but it's a real honor and privilege to be standing before you and open up the word of God. I want to tell you where we're going to go today. I'm not pulling any punches. Then we're going to look at our text. Um, the scripture exhorts us to redeem the time. The scripture tells us that our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And brothers and sisters, there's a great work of God uh, that still needs to be done and we've been given the responsibility but also the privilege of seeing God's work advance and uh, sometimes uh, this is, I was saying this to uh, some people yesterday I, I grew up uh, moved here from Philly when I was younger so I grew up in the Washington DC area and I call this just the crazy zone the DMV 
And uh, sometimes I know you get caught up in life and what's going on. And the pressing work of the Lord uh, is somewhere there in your mind, but it falls to the background. But we've got to be reminded that there's a task to which God has called us. And the work is not yet finished. There's a hymn that I love. I don't know if you've ever heard it. My soul be on thy guard. Uh, and the second verse says this. Nor count the victory done, nor lay thine armor down. The work of faith shall not be done till thou obtain a crown. That means there's a work that needs to be done until God takes you on to glory. And the text we're going to look at, uh, I hope, will give us all motivation uh, to press on and to not forget that there's a great work to be done and that we need to participate in as brothers and sisters around the world are struggling to see the name of Christ exalted. Uh, we're going to begin our uh, examination of this topic in Joshua chapter 1. Uh, and as many stories in the Old Testament go, we have to jump a little bit to see the conclusion. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We'll begin at verse 1. I'm reading here from the um, kind of old-fashioned here, 1984 NIV. Um, so here we go. Joshua chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. Now jump over with me, if you will, to verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you to fill me with your spirit in a special way, to speak your words to your people in this hour, Lord, that we would be encouraged uh, and motivated and equipped to go forth and, Lord, do all that we can, wherever that may be, however that may be, so that your name, Lord Jesus, might be exalted and glorified. In your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, when God delivered his people, the Israelites, from Egypt, um, it wasn't just to deliver them from bondage and from their enemies. It was also to give them uh, their land, their country, through which God uh, would be glorified. Now, we never want to forget something, and that is this. Uh, our God is not solely one who liberates. He's also one who is a rewarder. Your God is a God that rewards. Hebrews 11:6 6 says that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is a God who blesses. He's a God who loves to bless us. I like the passage in Isaiah 30, 18. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show compassion. I hope you believe that. And, you know, you are a theologically astute congregation following in the tradition of your founder 
Reverend Kevin Smith, and I know you know all of the attributes of our God, that he's omniscient, that he's omnipotent, that he's omnipresent, uh, that he's sovereign. But somebody here this morning needs to, to, to go back to some basic attributes, a basic attribute of God that personally I believe the enemy attacks more often than anything else. It's an attribute that someone needs to hear this morning. It's very simple. You might have learned it when you prayed uh, for your blessing uh, for the food. God is great and God is good. You can't forget that. Amidst all of the, 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 the amazing attributes of God, his sovereignty, omniscience, omnipotence, etc., never forget that your God is a good God. He's a good God. We used to sing this. I don't know if they sing it in, in the PCA. I know we don't. But we used to sing this. <laughs> I, I, we used to sing this over there in church, 60th and Callahill growing up. The song leader would say, my God is a good God. And the congregation would follow. Does anybody know what they'd say? Somebody knows. That's right. Yes, he is. Our God is a good God. He longs to bless. And somebody needs to hear that this morning. Listen. Our relationship with God is not a work-for-hire type gig. You know what work-for-hire is? Here's the money, here's the job, get it done. That's not how it is with God. But sometimes we get into that mindset that, okay, God, what is it that I need to do? Okay, put you in my day timer. Don't use them, but you know what I mean. Put you in there, I'm done, and then I'm... But that's not the type of relationship, a work-for-hire thing that we have with God. God loves you wants to have relationship with you and he wants to bless you and he is a good God. Now, to glorify his name and to bless his people, God gave them the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. And you know there were 12 tribes of Israel, correct? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Zebulun, Ishkar, Dan, and Gad. Asher, Naphtali, Joseph, Benjamin, that's all the sons that Jacob had. That's how we learned it around the house, the Jones household. Um, and God gave each tribe their own uh, plot of land. Uh, but this inheritance was west of the Jordan. And when God brought the people out of Egypt, they were on the east side. Um, so something had to happen in order for them to gain that inheritance. And you need to, to just take note of this. Sometimes, for God's will to be accomplished in your life, sometimes to receive the blessing of God, and I don't know any other way to say this, but you're just going to have to move. I mean, really, you, you might have to move. You might have to quit your job. You might have to sell your house. Sometimes God's will is not always the most convenient thing. And this is not, not, not just in the book of Joshua. You remember what God said to Abraham, go forth from your people and from your country. He had to move. We think of Mary. She's blessed. She's going to be the, the mother of the Messiah. But she couldn't have the Messiah without going where? To Bethlehem. And then we think when the disciples, Christ came and he preached to them, he said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They had to leave their jobs to follow Christ. Now, I happen to believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And while all of us might not have to move, some of us might. It's just in there. And you need to just have these things in your mind ruminating because you want to be able to hear the Spirit of God directing you. And if you're thinking, well, I'm just going to accomplish God's will right here where I am, well, you just might miss what it is that God has for you. So they had to cross over the Jordan in order to receive the inheritance that God had given to them. Uh, but something interesting happened right before that. So we're going to follow our story. We're going to go over to Numbers chapter 32. Numbers 32. And we'll just start at verse 1. Numbers 32, verse 1, the Reubenites and Gadites, who had very large herds and flocks, saw that the lands of Jazar and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar, the priests, and to the leaders of the community and said, 
Ataroth, Dibon, Jazar, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elaha, Sebam, Nebo, and beyond, the land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel are suitable for livestock. And your servants have livestock. If we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Do not make us cross the Jordan. Moses said to the Gadites and Reubenites, shall you, shall, you, shall your countrymen go to war while you sit here? Now, what happens here? There's two tribes that basically see that, hey, this is, this is really what we need right here. Uh, and they make their request known. Now, in passing, never be afraid. Don't be too shy to make your request known to God. The scripture says uh, you do not have because you do not ask. And sweet hour of prayer, do you know that hymn? It says, a sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care, that bids me at my father's throne, what? Make all my wants and wishes known. Psalm 62, 8, pour out your heart to him, people. God is a refuge for us. Now, if you ask and God says no, okay. But if you don't ask, just in the way that God has ordained things, there might be some things that just don't come to pass. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because what? We do not carry everything to God in prayer. So they make their request known. They want to stay right where they are. It's suitable for them. And Moses' response is understandable. He's like, what? You guys want to just basically just, you know, take a chill pill and relax. Fine, you guys are, are, are great there. But do you know this, saints of God? God's mission, God's purpose is greater than your own purpose and mission in this life. Yeah? Sometimes we're thinking everything that God is doing, it, it just, it's all about me and how God's going to get me from here to there. But that's not the case. The glory of Christ is not dependent. God includes us in the plan, but God's plan involves his people and circumstances and events that are well beyond our own personal lives. So Moses says to them, uh, do you want your countrymen to go to war while you are resting here? And uh, they give a response to that over in verse 16. They say, uh, we would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children, but we are ready to arm ourselves and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their place. Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until every Israelite has received his inheritance. Wow. Wow. And with that information, Moses says, okay, I can live with that. We can work it out. So that land is allotted to them. Now we're going to pass on quickly to the end of the matter. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 22. Joshua 22. We'll sum up this story and move on from there. Joshua 22 beginning at verse 1. Then Joshua summoned the, Reuben, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your brothers. I just want to repeat that. You have not deserted your brothers but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given your brothers rest as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. So when it says right here that you have not deserted your brothers, what's going on here? What's going on here is we see the faithfulness of the Gadites and the Reubenites and the half-tribe of Manasseh to fulfill their roles in seeing God's plan carried out even though 
they had received their inheritance. They had received the blessing that God had allotted to them, but they were not satisfied. They realized, they realized their role in God's overall plan, and they accepted that role, and they faithfully carried out their responsibilities, risking their own lives until the rest of their brethren had received their inheritance. What an example that is. They fought with and for their brothers. Instead of just living their own lives east of the Jordan, they went to battle. They made the sacrifice. They sought the glory of God in the larger context. And at the end of the day, what we see is that those two and a half tribes, they were not individualists. They didn't sell out for, we talk about the American dream, they did not sell out to the tribal dream of having their own little plot of land. They gave themselves to the mission of God even though they had already received their blessing. You know, there's a plague that seeks and has, in my opinion, uh, and I, I say this, having a little bit of perspective over 13 years being out of the country, it seems there is a plague that would attack so many of our congregations uh, where the scripture is taught, where Christ is honored, yet there's this subtle plague that seems to want to enter in and it's the plague of being individualists. It's the plague of not realizing that in God's economy, that, that the United States and the Christian life here is not the center of God's universe. And that there's a great and mighty work that is still being fought by brethren. Praise God for the pastoral prayer this morning that was remembering the persecuted church. But there's this plague that is just waiting there to take the promises of God and to totally focus them on ourselves, our families. And usually that's kind of where it ends. We, we sometimes don't even get to the point where we can pray, listen, for the growth and for the ministry of our congregation. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are so individualist that, that just give yourself a little test. When you have times of prayer, how much percentage time do you, do you spend in praying? Listen, we, we're going to do the family stuff, but praying for the ministry of the congregation, that God's name would be exalted in City of Hope, in this place, reaching out to all those that are in a close proximity of the church. How often do you spend that time, and how regular is it that you devote to that? How much time do you give? Again, we prayed for the persecuted church. Uh, do you spend? There's a wonderful guide that I saw there on the table. I, I pray that every family has this global prayer guide and that you use it. How much time is spent praying for mission work and for the persecuted church? But what we see here in our text this morning, again, it's a wonderful example. And we see it modeled in our Lord and Savior who in John 5.30 said, I came not to seek myself or rather to serve myself, but rather him who sent me. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 2, 4, each of you should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, the principle that we see here uh, is not limited just to this type of thing. Uh, listen, because each of us have spiritual gifts and talents. Each of us have natural gifts and talents that God has given us, capacities that God intends for us to use, a type of, of inheritance that God has given to us that he intends for us to use in seeing his name honored and glorified in this world. That's why we looked at 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift he has given, he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now that's speaking, 1 Peter 4.10, I know primarily to spiritual gifts, but there's a principle there that we want to lay hold of. And I want to give you just a few examples this morning, and then we'll wrap things up of how we see this uh, spoken of 
in the New Testament. For instance, turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6, we'll begin, uh, we'll just read two verses there, verses 17 and 18. And it says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Conva command them to do good to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. There are those who, by God's grace, have been blessed with uh, material resources. And you know what? You fall among that group. Now, I know you're, you're thinking, wait, 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 wait. You haven't seen my bank account. And it's true. But if you take a step back and you just kind of survey the world scene, if you survey the way that a good portion of the world lives, you'll realize that, you know what, God really has blessed, uh, blessed our family financially. Might not be in the greatest shape, maybe the money hasn't been handled the best way, but God has provided nonetheless. Now, God intends that that financial resource that you've been blessed with is not just to be spent on yourselves. We need to be seeking, God, how would you have me to use those funds? Listen, again, there's brethren who are struggling to see the word of God go forth uh, in their country. God, show me. And see, this requires you to pray and seek God's face about how you can be involved. But God gives you these financial resources to help the gospel go forth. He gives you these financial resources to help those in the congregation who are in need. Again, we cannot rest in the blessings that God gives us while there are others in the body of Christ going forth with the gospel who have needs. We can't rest in that. We need to seek God's face for how we can be a blessing to them. Another example, a totally kind of different principle going here. Turn with me, if you will, to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> now, let's start here at verse 3. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. The point that I want to bring out to you in this passage is simply this. There are those, now this is a fairly young congregation, but you'll see the principle nonetheless. There are those uh, women who, uh, by God's grace, you have raised or nearly raised your children. God's given you wisdom in that. And now he intends that you would turn around and equip another generation to do the same. It's not necessarily the time to just sit back and, and uh, just marvel at all that God has done. It's a good thing, but it's still time to roll up the sleeves and say, okay, who are the sisters that are coming up? What can I do to try to help them? Again, we do not rest in the blessing of God. There's a time when we will be able to rest from our labors. But here on this earth, God would intend that we use what he's entrusted to us to put back into the body first and foremost to see again that his work goes forward and that those who are in need, whether it's in discipleship, whether it's in financial areas, that they too would be helped as you have been helped. There's a, a hymn I like. Uh, it, it says, uh, make me a blessing. Do you know that? Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the darkness, carry the sunshine where darkness is rife. Make all their sorrowing glad. Second verse says this, give as was given to you in your need. Love as the master loved you. Be to the helpless a helper indeed. Unto your witness be true. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, may Jesus shine. 
Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. We want to bless as God has blessed us. And then one of my heroes in the scripture uh, helps us uh, again, just reinforce this principle whereby God has blessed us, but not just sitting back and just enjoying that blessing, but rather pouring out what God has given us. His name is Epaphras. I know you just know who Epaphras is. Epaphras, Colossians chapter 4, around verse 12. And Paul speaks of Epaphras. And he says, Epaphras, who is one of yours and also a fellow minister of Christ, sends you his greetings. And this is what I like. It says this, he is always wrestling for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully, uh, mature and fully assured, wrestling in prayer. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for all those at Hierapolis and another place that I can't remember. But Paul is saying, this brother, he's, he's wrestling for you in prayer that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. He is using his physical energy, he's using his spiritual energy to help those who are in need. And this is the call that God has for each and every one of us. Because God, in his grace, has provided. Now listen, here we are again in Columbia, Maryland. I've already talked and touched on the financial blessing that, that uh, in general, we can say is enjoyed. Not by everybody. We understand that's not the case, but in general. There's also a spiritual heritage and treasure chest that you possess just by being an English-speaking American at the close of the, or at, rather, in, in the 21st century. You know, in Quebec, where I live, um, less than 1% believers, one of the things that is a challenge uh, in theological education is the cost of books that are in French. I, if I pick up, for example, a systematic theology by, say, Wayne Grudem, I can go on CBD, and if I hit it right, I'm sure I can get it for $20 or something like that. I had to pay $80 to get that book in French. And that's prohibitive because, listen, in, in an unreached area, you have to keep this in mind. The congregations are smaller, which means that the pastors are going to have to be bivocational. They're not going to have the resources to spend on theological uh, materials as here. Uh, so you're blessed here in so many ways. You're just a click away from either reading some of the great sermons of all history, whether it's Spurgeon or Calvin or Jonathan Edwards. Just click, d type it in on Google, and boom, it's going to come up. You go into another language, even like French. It's just like nothing. It's, 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 it's a desert. It's a wasteland. But you are rich in theological resources. So much we have here in this nation as believers. But again, there's this virus that's out there. And it's this individualist thing. And man, we get all caught up in our hobbies and in our this and in our that. Meanwhile, the work of God, meanwhile, we, we're supposed to be crossing over to the west side of the Jordan. And we're just chilling on the east side, enjoying the blessings. We got to go across the river to the west side to see that the work of God gets accomplished. Because you know what? It's really not a question of whether God's work gets accomplished or not. God's work is going to get done. <laughs> the only question is, are you going to be a participant in that? The only question is, on that day, and I hope you don't forget about this, there is a that day. There is that day, and we're not talking about whether you're saved or not, because the blood of Christ has dealt with that. But there is a day of rewards and judgment. And the scripture says this, we must all appear before the judgment seat of God that each one may receive what's done him for things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I hope that in your heart, because you love your Savior, that you want to invest your life in doing things that on that day, he's going to say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm talking about. That when you come before your master, that you could come with confidence, with gratitude, 
for all that he's done, and out of all that he's done in your life, you will have what? Given it back to him. You will have given it back to him. So here's the question that I leave with you, City of Hope. Are you on the east side still? Are you still on the east side of the Jordan? Blessed! But all the while, the work that needs to get done, whether it's in Indonesia, whether it's in India, Iran, or maybe just right around the corner. You know that 20% of the inhabitants of Colombia are foreign born. Did you know that? The nations are right here around you. But are you still on the east side? Now listen, God has to show you what to do and how to do it. I said before that uh, some people might, might have to move, but, but that's probably the exception. But what is not an exception is this. That if you call upon the Lord, if you seek him, and if you say, God, here we are, show us. How do you want to use our family? Because you don't have to go to another land to participate in the work of God. The Lord, through his spirit, will present opportunities as you begin to focus in on his will, excluding and setting aside all these distracting things. Not talking about family things, but things that are just really excess. And you give yourself to God, to seeking his face, to calling upon him, and waiting before him. And you know what? He'll show you what to do. You know, 20 years ago, we were a family, or 19 years ago, we were a family of eight sitting at Mount Zion every Sunday. And at that time, what was the ministry that God gave us? We helped lead worship. Billy be on the piano or Timmy or something like that. That's, that's what God had for us at that time. And then God showed us that, okay, there's another avenue of opportunity for you. And we began to gear up for that. Then that sent us into another season of ministry. Then the children, they grew, and there's just one and another. But all the while, seeking God. So if you have children, it doesn't mean that you can't serve God. God will show you exactly what to do. But you got to ask him. You got to take time calling upon the Lord. The Lord is faithful. He has a work to be done and he's sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he has included all of us in that work. We have the responsibility to call upon him, to wait upon him, to get the answer from him, and to try to walk by faith. It's not like he's just going to boom, there's the blueprint. You walk by faith and then God shows you. And that's my prayer for this congregation. So blessed but living in the crazy zone of the DMV where work and extracurricular activities and all these other things, they're not bad things, but they're all right there just ready to just, just get your attention in time when the work that God has redeemed you for remains to be done. My prayer is that this week you would take just some time individually as a family and ask God, Lord, now maybe you need to start out with just a little bit of repentance. We don't like to talk about it, but you might need to start out saying, Lord, forgive me because I, I really, I've just been too busy. I've just, I've, I've gotten caught up in the crazy zone of the DMV, but Lord, I'm coming out of that and I want you to renew my spirit. You know, sometimes we, we are, are, are spiritually dry because we're not engaged in those things that God wants us to be engaged in. And you think, well, if I do that, I'm just going to be totally spent. Where to the contrary, by the Spirit's leading, if you engage in the work that God has for you, he will revitalize your spirit. There's some other things that are going to have to go. But as you engage yourself in the work that God has, he will revitalize and revive your soul. So take some time this week. And, and kids, I want to encourage you, too, if you know Jesus, you can pray to Je Jesus. Is there something you would have me to do? You can ask him. You can talk to him, and mom and dad can, can pray with you. You're never too young to pray to God and to ask him to show you what it is that he would have you to do. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, he said, 
something to the extent along those lines that our little ones, their names should be familiar in the corridors of heaven. And little ones, you all can go to the master directly through Christ Jesus and pray to him. And he can give you things to do as well, even at your age. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the blood of Jesus that purifies us from all sin. And Lord, uh, I'm no exception. Too often, Lord, we are uh, on the east side. We're, we're, we're oblivious, practically speaking, to the fact that there's a great work that needs to be done and that we're really supposed to be participating in it. Lord, we ask you to cleanse us from this omission and that, Lord, you would revive us again, that you give individuals, that you give families, that you would give children, Lord God, uh, this desire to see your name glorified. You told us to never be lacking in zeal, but to keep our spiritual fervor serving you. And, Lord, this is indeed uh, what we desire to do. Now, Lord, I pray for City of Hope, for this congregation. Lord, for Pastor Brian, for Ronnie for Tom, for all those. Lord, that you would use this congregation. Lord, it's not an issue of numbers. It's an issue of being obedient to your voice and to reaching those that you've given this congregation to reach. Lord, let this congregation reach all in this Columbia area that you have ordained for them to reach as they seek your face, as they pray for your work to be glorified in this congregation. We thank you, Lord, for how you've sustained this congregation and provided for it to this very day. But, Lord, may it be the case that the brightest days of City of Hope are still in the future. Do exceeding and abundantly above what we're able to ask or imagine according to the power that is at work in us through Christ Jesus for the glory and honor of your name. And it's in your name that we pray, Lord Jesus. That name that's above every other name. Amen. 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 We are going to move into a time before the Lord's Supper.